Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 57 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Verbanis, and as always, I'm joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there, Mr. Bob Lucius. Bob? Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> oh, it's almost... It was like Simon and Garfunkel were right here <laughs> in my office, my home office. Yeah, which, which one, was Simon scary. or Garfunkel? I think that was, uh, I don't know. I, was that was that Garfunkel singing? I don't know. I don't know. I can't, you know. I know yeah. that Simon's the, the, the shorter one. Garfunkel's the guy with the bushy hair. You know, so what, I, if we were standing next to each other, I would be Simon, you would be Garfunkel. <laughs> I just like to say that name, Garfunkel. It's just fun. <clears throat> It is. Take that. Yeah. I, I like to say that in the bare naked ladies song. If, if I had, if I had a uh, million dollars. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get that one. No, lost, no, lost, no. Lost, it's it's a lyric in a song. It's a, uh, I buy you a piece of art. Like a Garfunkel. Oh, anyway, okay. Yeah. Right. I, I, right. I like saying that Garfunkel too. Garfunkel's a fun uh, word. But, but, but Bob, did you oh, like, elf. did you like my song? Did you like my I did. Did you catch the reference? Uh, I did not. What movie is The Sound of Silence in? What, what movie is that soundtrack to? I, I do not know. I don't know. Mrs. Robinson, are you trying to seduce me? Was it in Mrs. Robinson, The Graduate? It was in The Graduate. I, I, I was not aware. It's been a long time since I've seen The Graduate. And I just yeah. fast forwarded to the, the juicy parts. Ah, well, yeah, that's not so, bad. Hey, yeah. uh, what year did The Graduate come out? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking me a lot of questions. Uh, I'm not a really good test taker. And uh... <laughs> Bob, if you had to guess, uh, what year do you think it came out? 69? Hey, Bob. I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> but my hellos to you usually tie in to what we're covering. Uh, I, you know, I figured that would be the case, but I have no idea what year uh, tonight's issues were uh, published. In. 1967, Bob. Was it 67? I should. Yes. Uh, my birth year. I should. Uh, ah. I should have gone with 67. Oh, well, there you go. So yeah. there we, we came All full right. circle once again. We did a song. From the Graduate, which was the number one grossing movie in 1967, and here we are covering a couple of issues from 1967. It is Tales of Suspense number 93 and nine, number 94. Was there now? Was there a James Bond movie in 67? Uh, there was. Here? There was. And the Graduate outperformed. Uh, had to have been Thunderball. No, you're close. Uh, it was you only, you lived, only twice. lived twice. Ugh. Now, now here you go. There was now, a where... second James Bond movie ca came out that year. Guess what that one was? Oh, was it Casino Royale? It was. It was a comedy. Yes, and <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of Bonds. Yeah, that yeah. was a funny little movie. Actually, I enjoyed that movie. Yeah. I was a very big Bond fan back in my youth. I have, I, I still have uh, dozens and dozens mm. and dozens of paperbacks from the 1960s and 70s Ooh, Ian, Ian Fleming actually yeah, yeah you know and I I read every I you know I was a big Bond 
big, mm-hmm. big, big guy. I, had, I was even a subscriber to Bondage, which was the James <laughs> Bond fan club uh, newsletter. And, I wouldn't, I wouldn't admit that. I know, publicly, right? Bob. <laughs> yeah, and so, but I loved Casino Royale. That was like a little known gem among Bond fans. Yeah, I'm like that. Some didn't, but I thought it was great. Do you have a favorite actor? I, you know, this is. Uh, I do like Daniel Craig. I gotta tell you, I think he does a bang up job. Yeah, did you did you see the new one? I haven't seen it yet. Ah, I'm I did. looking forward I did. to it. I'm not going to give anything away, but it was very good. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I have a a small complaint. Small complaint. Now, this isn't. Uh, maybe this will give something away, but I don't know. the The only complaint that I have, and is that they somehow always manage to in the in the last few uh, movies somehow get a character i won't reveal who is now somehow from the past tied into this character i won't reveal who right and it's kind of like you know what can't we just have right like it's it gets a little convoluted that way but other than that i i I thought it was it was a good job i do think you know unlike maybe like past iterations the sort of you know how many has he been in four or five craig Uh, this is number five yeah, they've tried to sort of weave them together with its own sort of backstory and canon. You know, oh, yeah, they're all, all Which is not story, something yeah. really the previous films ever did. They all pretty much existed. There were some repeat characters, you know, right. with, with Spectre and Schmirsch and all those. But but they, mm-hmm. they stood alone, you know, as, as individuals. But these films are, there's a lot of sort of background weaving, which, you know, for me, I, I like that. Um, I do, too. But it, it yeah. and and to me, uh, I loved Casino Royale, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Daniel Craig. Thought it was great. Um, the next one was Quantum of Solace. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to like that. Right. Yeah. Um, but the directing or the cinematography, I don't know who to blame. I didn't care for it. It was too much of that shaky camera, born identity type of yeah. thing. And yeah. You know, there's like this opening scene where the two guys are swinging on the scaffolding and they're they're fighting each other. And I'm like, I, I'm sure it was a great scene. I couldn't tell from the camera work. Right. You yeah. know, it was and, and that was throughout the movie. So uh, that that kind of annoyed me. Um, but I still liked it. Um, but of the five, that was probably my least favorite because of that reason. Um, but then the other ones I thought really good too. So, um, yeah, you know, I grew up, I know this is sacrilege to some don't hate me. All right. I grew up on Roger Moore. Ooh. Okay. You know? So to me, I really liked Roger Moore. Um, and I think he had his place like to me, Sean Connery quintessential bond, tough guy right yep. ladies man yeah right to me roger moore was more debonair right yeah. he was a little bit more debonair a little bit more ladies man um and and had there's a little bit of comedy to him yeah. you know yeah. right now in between often forgotten george ladsenby who did one movie her majesty's secret service classic yeah, he. Some people say he was the best. I I I love Daniel Craig, but that, that George Lazenby film uh, has a special place in my heart. So. Oh yeah, why is that? Um, 
just the ending man. the ending oh. i heard that i heard the song the other day on the radio and it's still i still tear up man. oh yeah i love that i love that movie uh do you uh, and we'll get back to the songs in a minute um and then we had timothy dalton who mm-hmm. i think kind of went back to the sean connery tough guy yeah kind of mode motif and then pierce bronson who mm-hmm. i think went back to the almost a roger moore kind of like ladies man debonair uh kind of you know so so i think they all yeah. had their place you know um i don't know i i i like i like them all for their various reasons now did you have a favorite james bond theme song oh uh yes um for your eyes only oh yeah nice sheena easton yeah that is a good song yeah that is that is something i think personally maybe i'm showing my age and i don't know the the new music you know you know because i'm old right but the daniel craig movies didn't have to me like great songs you know Mm -hmm. um but man those roger moore movies did i mean you for your eyes only great song okay a View to a Kill by Duran Duran. Duran Duran. That, that was a really cool song. I yeah. remember being a teenage Rick. Yeah. And someone got me the 45. Yeah. And I would put that on my record player in my bedroom and stand in front of the mirror. Oh, with, yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah, every yeah. time like that, that like the certain yeah. part of the song was like, dun, dun, and I would turn and I'd shoot at the mirror, yeah. you know? Right, I mean, right. it was totally... Yeah totally yeah, like uh, out, right, right? Yeah. yeah but but all-time best again roger moore live and let die oh okay yep now You're right wings yeah. I, I am a huge paul mccartney fan he's yeah. my he's my favorite musician of all time all right so i am a little biased all right but yeah i yeah. mean if you gotta admit for for all the songs out there i think roger moore had the, the best james bond they did have they did have some good they did have some great songs i mean it definitely is generational right because uh i think shirley bassey did uh, goldfinger and you mm-hmm. know for me uh we have all the time in the world by louis armstrong from on her majesty's secret service i mean, like i said mm-hmm. that one still <clears throat> still still gets me it still has an mm-hmm. emotional impact for me just because of that first time that i saw the movie and uh and and that ending and and you know the first time i saw it uh when i was uh, gosh i was a maybe a freshman in high school mm-hmm. uh my friend and i uh who were both huge bond fans ron zerman shout out to your brother uh we would go down to lexington massachusetts there was a small sort of uh one screen boutique theater and they had they would do a james bond film every week different film and so either his dad or my dad would like shuck us down there drop us off and we'd go in and watch the movie and i remember seeing that uh in in that small theater on the big screen for the first time and mm-hmm. and, and that last scene where uh where the, you know bond experiences a personal tragedy and that song comes i mean it just just mm-hmm. still to this day i mean i love that movie yeah yeah i gotta rewatch it gotta rewatch it all right tell, tell lisa wallace yeah, <laughs> yeah. um you know, so so Bob, getting back to yeah, why are the, we here? Yeah, the hello. Yeah, sorry right. for the tangent, folks. <laughs> um, but getting back to the uh, the hello, I did put it out to the group. Okay, back um, back in mid October, 
I, I did put a question on the Facebook group uh, for our podcast listeners. Do you enjoy my openings where I find a different way to greet Bob mm-hmm. and try to find a way to tie it into the episode? Or is it getting old? Is it fun? Or am I struggling keeping this gag going and need to put it to bed? So uh, we got a few responses. Should I read them? Absolutely. I want to okay. be refreshed here. All right. So um, the Richard Field says, I like the rapport between you guys. It's funny and you get to hear about your mishaps. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The mishaps. I, I like that. that. Yeah. I like that. Uh, James Foley, uh, one of our, our patrons, um, longtime patron, uh, super soldier, I believe. Um, he wrote only my two cents and I am a pretty big fan. It's kind of ran its course. <laughs> all right. Hi, James. Now, but, but he does say, but whatever y'all prefer, I'll still listen. It Good makes man. my ride in on Wednesdays bearable. I appreciate his honesty. I do too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that, James. So we got one vote for, one vote against. All right. Uh, Grant Ball, another patron, right. longtime patron, he says, honestly, I forget about it each time. So it's a pleasant surprise. Nice. Not sure how to take that, but yes. <laughs> it's forgettable, Bob. Yes, that's right. <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't take it that way at all, Grant. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so there you go. Um, we got Tom Kane says, uh, kind of cool and something I look forward to hearing. Okay. Wow. We got someone actually looking forward to how like I'm that. going to, you know, maybe it's the suspense. Maybe because I go Bob dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And maybe, maybe this is the point where everybody kind of tunes in a little bit more. I don't know. Uh, Ash Barnes, who has been on the show and also a patron. She says, I like it because I love y'all's banter. It doesn't get old. Okay. All right. All right. Unlike us. We're getting old. (laughs) Uh, We got Casey Bruce. So Casey Bruce says it's fun and good branding. What? Now, the marketing guy, I mean, he's like, huh, I never thought of it as branding, but I like that. Okay. Yeah. Now, he said, if you're having a hard time thinking of options, you could crowdsource it to the group. I might have to do that. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I, do- I got to tell you, there's been times when we've sat here for like 20 minutes while, you know, Rick has stared at the ceiling. They don't know that. They don't know that. It's the power of editing. I've had to go fill my drink again, you know. Wait, so. All right. Um, and then we have Luis Miguel Tovar Rodriguez. Uh, he says, I know it's not the question you're asking, but can I say that I love how you speak in the podcast? Remember that I'm learning English and I'm very glad when I catch almost everything. Apologies for the off topic, but I had to say that never found the opportunity. So thank you, Lewis. We, we get a kick out of, of uh, knowing that we are helping people out there um, learn English. You're, you're uh, I think, the second or third person who's told us that. So um, that's really cool. So thank you for that. So, Bob, I think, I think it's a six to one to keep it. Yeah, well, it's like a six to one and a half. Or a uh, half, right? Because James said he'd go along with us if if we were stubborn about it. <laughs> Is that what he said? That was he's exactly good, That's my interpretation. He's a good, he's a good soul. So. Yeah. Right, listen, if you you gotta keep doing it, sure. 
Um, I was honestly, I was hoping we would vote the other way because <laughs> I really spend way more time on this on a weekly basis trying to come up with how I'm going to say hello. Right, so right. Uh, I challenge accepted people. Challenge accepted. Go. The funny thing is, I don't even remember when I started doing this. Um, it must have been early on. I'd have yeah. to go back and like yeah. listen to like the first 10 podcasts to see. But I guess I've been doing it for like at least 30 40 podcasts wouldn't you at say at least i would definitely say at least yeah and each one's different bob it is they're all unique <sighs> all right <laughs> let's get to the issues shall we right. yeah let's do this thing another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. So we're, we're at Tales of Suspense, um, which, you know, for some people out there who may not be familiar, like, well, why are you doing Tales of Suspense? This is supposed to be Captain America. Well, because um, back when Captain America got his reintroduction uh, after the deep freeze in Avengers 4, um, they realized that, you know, hey, he was pretty popular and, and uh, needed to be in more than just the Avengers. So over in tales of suspense it was uh iron man had a uh taken over the the series and was doing that and they decided they're going to split the book um and this was um one fifty eight cap showed up and and um basically uh iron man and cap had a fight um in issue fifty eight and if you want to hear that one um you should go and check out episode 36 uh we cover that that landmark issue first time cap is in tale of suspense 1964 so go go listen to episode 36 after this one but um then with issue 59 they decide to split it so it was then tales of suspense featuring iron man and captain america so then basically it was half and half you got two stories in one issue and they alternated, right? Um, sometimes Iron Man was on the cover and sometimes Captain America was on the cover. Um, now, right now I'm looking at issue 93 and we have <clears throat> up in the corner box in the top left, um, we have a full bodied Iron Man, but just the face of Captain America. Um, and uh, so we know who who who's on the cover right it's going to be iron man and here's iron man um battling the is he russian i think he's russian right that titanium man i I think he is yeah 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 all right so um 
so Iron Man's battling the Titanium Man, and um, in the starburst, it says power versus power. Back again, stronger than ever, the Titanium Man. And then, then Bob, we have uh, uh, in a little little globe picture of guess who else is in this issue. Can I read? Can I? Yes, please do. Don't miss the villainy of half-face. <laughs> now, so Bob, if you... That's what's half. A, if you as a comic book fan, if you're just mm-hmm. listening to this and you have no visual, you have no idea what half-face looks like. Yeah. What would you assume by hearing the name half-face? You know, I, I would think two-face. Exactly, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's not the case. No, <laughs> this is... Uh, a bald man with a metal jaw, chin, right? Like this little contraption that goes underneath him. Think of if you if you played with Masters of Universe figures. Think of Trap Jaw. Mm-hmm. Is that is that analogy lost on you, Bob? Uh, no, no. I, um, I, I've seen pictures. I didn't play with them, but uh, okay. yeah, yeah. You were too old. Yeah, probably, maybe so. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's on the cover, uh, which is, and it's really inaccurate if you think about it, because he's really more like three quarter face. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, but in any case, and the art on this cover is by Gene Colon, uh, who also did the interior art for the Iron Man episode or Iron Man issue. See, I keep doing that. <laughs> crossing the streams mm-hmm. all right so we're going to skip the iron man don't don't worry folks we're going to get right to the captain america story and in the title of this story which is done in a um, really cool font it says into the jaws of aim a i m a period i period m period exclamation point but into the jaws of uh is done in a squiggly squiggly line um and it's in a jagged starburst but by the way above that it says captain america in red white and blue living legend of world war ii which goes back to the the conversation that we had um not too long ago with um steve engelhart right right where he talked about you know He's been billed in, as the li- living legend of World War II over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And at this point, 1967, it makes sense. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to describe the splash page, okay? Because it's quirky, man. Um, is, it is, is 100% a Jack Kirby type of uh-huh. splash page. Yeah. So we have Cap in his Cap uniform in the ocean, underwater, and uh, near the the bottom of the ocean. So it's dark. And he's wearing this contraption. How would you describe this contraption, Bob? It's, it's, a, it's like a portable uh, sub, but it's, it's, it's a wearable one, right? So it's got the, it's got the enclosed 
area around your face so you can breathe, but it's also got like the maneuvering jets so that you can maneuver around and lights. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is like a personal submersible uh, contraption of some sort. Yeah, it's on the upper half of his body, right? You know, the funny thing is these didn't exist in 1967, but they do now. Mm-hmm. So go for it. Go, good job, Kirby. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it's, it's a pretty cool looking um description so um and then we have in in the um the caption here it says in all the world there is but one girl whom captain america truly loves one mysterious valiant agent of shield whose very name is still unknown to him last ish we saw how cap unwittingly placed her in the deadliest peril when he attempted to rescue nick fury and now despite the magnitude of the odds against him the Star Spangled Avenger fights back. All right, Bob, I got to stop here. All right. Come on, man. Really? Come on, Stanley. You keep writing about Cap in Tales of Suspense, where he's falling in love, falling in love with a woman who he doesn't even know their name. Yeah. This is the second time. He yeah. did the same thing with Peggy Carter. He does. You know, I, it's made, I was thinking the same thing, you know, as I was reading this, that uh, in the 1960s, and I don't know if it was because, you know, those sort of romance magazines and comics were still very popular, uh, mm-hmm. but there is a, an emphasis on romance that I think is unparalleled in the rest of the Captain America mythos. I, agree. I mean, it's, it's clear that he, him and, him and you know, uh, other women, Sharon, Bernie, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Rachel. Rachel. Connie. Yeah, there's relationships. And, mm-hmm. But the relationships are more sort of sophisticated. But in the 60s, in these books, it's, it's a puppy love sort of. And 70s. And 70s I mean, the, the, yeah. Sharon, the way they did Sharon Carter in the 70s, I mean, I yeah. think she wasn't even a truly respectable character until very, she came very, back very, when very Mark Wade. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. after she came back from her quote unquote death, right. right. Yeah. And Mark and Mark Wade brought her back. Then yeah. I thought she became a badass. Yeah. She became a respectable, more than two dimensional character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I don't know who they were trying to capture with that sort of market. Cause it seems to me like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe that was appealing to, young teens yeah sure maybe maybe that sort of that sort of was the sort of idea of love as a young teenager would know it as mm-hmm. opposed to later on you know a more sophisticated older reader would see love that's a good point that's a good point yeah because i think it this is more of a relatable to puppy puppy mm-hmm. love kind of first crush you know yeah, yeah right like you know you know back when you're early mid-teens and yep. you see a girl and you're your heart goes pitter patter and you know, and, and you like, I don't even know who that girl is, but I love her. I'm going to marry her. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Right. Uh, (laughs) So cap caps in this, uh, this, this machine as he's underwater and he says, all fury knew about aims location is that they're based in a giant sub somewhere in these waters. And if anyone can find it, I will using the shields long distance mini cruiser. Oh, so we should probably get into, um, you know, 
who uh, who who did this particular issue. I, I talked about the cover, but uh, I already kind of mentioned that um, Stan Lee is the writer. Jack Kirby is the penciler. Uh, and then we have Joe Sennett as the inker uh, and Artie Simic as the letterer. We don't know who the colorist is. Hmm. Could it be George Rosas? I don't know. All right, next page. Swimming tirelessly, ceaselessly, his equipment coated with a special new radar-blocking chemical screen, Bob. Cap finally sights, and he sees this big, big sub on the bottom of the ocean. The sub nestled within the deep underwater ravine. But if I see them, their observers must have spotted me, too. I can almost feel their eyes upon me now. And as though suiting action to the lone swimmer's thoughts, and then we do, we see two, uh, we see a, an AIM uh, soldier, which is wearing these, you know, yellow outfits with the little kind of yellow beehive kind of um, yeah, head. Love those. Head. Yeah. Another victor for AIM. The eyes of Modak are everywhere. And it says zap, which is interesting because I always associated zap with a laser type of thing. This is a projectile. But it does fire right towards Cap and hits him in the midsection. And the AIM soldier says, the cylinder's thin ionic valve head will penetrate any waterproof device known to man. Instantly pumping a nullifying gas through its armor-piercing nozzle, and and as you as he's describing this, you see, right, Cap Cap's face getting uh, all this uh, gas, and he looks terrified. Not not the not the look we're used to, mm-hmm. right? In more modern right. times, yeah. right? Um, but he looks completely scared, and um, but then it says. Within seconds, the subject lapses into total helplessness. And sure enough, Cap's got his eyes closed, plunging into an all-engulfing sea of endless night. And next thing you know, Cap's in, in the dark, drifting deeper, deeper into a nameless, silent limbo until, and then there's this, he comes out of this pitch darkness into some sort of explosion of light and and Kirby, Kirby Crackle, uh, as it's called, he's hurled into reality like an exploding meteor. And again, Cap is now, he's, his eyes are opening, he's awakened, his mouth's open, he looks scared. Now, before he fully regains his senses, let us wrench his accursed shield from his grasp. And even in his state, Cap's struggling, but they take the shield from him. And then he wakes, and he's on a table, and he sees these three aim agents welcome captain america modok welcomes you to the supreme world of aim reborn modok who is modok the one who will soon be ruler of all even as he now rules the invincible forces of an almighty aim and cap thinks to himself time enough to worry about that later first i've got to find a way to break free i'm being drawn to a conductive base plate by sheer magnetic force Aim reborn is diabolically inventive as ever before. And Bob, can you describe this Kirby creation of, of what's behind him in this panel? I don't think anybody can do it justice, Rick, but it looks like a big circuit board, right? It does, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fundamentally what it looks like. 
very detailed. And then we cut to the next panel, and uh, there's three more hive agents walking up, and they've got a blonde woman in a magenta jumpsuit. And now, before we dispose of you permanently, here is another agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who shall join you in your final feat. Captain America, they, they captured you too? The girl, the one I came to rescue. Thank heaven she's still alive. You fool! How did you do it? You knew it was hopeless. Why did you come? Why did you sacrifice yourself? My life, my life is of no importance. I was prepared to die. But you, you're more than one expendable agent. You're a living symbol. And she gets up real close to his face. You're the greatest, most wonderful man I've ever known. Listen closely. I'm wearing special anti-polar coveralls. They can reverse the magnetic field which holds you. I'll pretend to kiss you goodbye. As soon as I touch you, drop to the floor. No matter what happens to us, at least we'll meet our fate together. Now, Cap, now. It's a trick. S.H.I.E.L.D. knew about our magnetic bond. She's been wearing anti-polar material. Smart. Any, any, yeah? smart. Yeah, just smart. Smart thinking. Yeah. So uh, Cap does go to the floor, and uh, they're shooting behind him, and there's explosions. Um, but he's, uh, he's too quick for him. She freed him. Fire. Show them, show them no mercy. Thanks, little lady. Now I'll take over. And he dives and he hits one. He has his left hand hitting one and a right hand hitting another. And what's the sound effect there, Bob? <laughs> You're trying to get me in trouble with my one. <laughs> and I'm going to take the bait. A splock. Bacow. Swoosh. Yes, because then he does a roll, right? He does a, a somerset roll, and he hits, and he kicks them. Batam! And Sharon says, you put four of them out of action in as many seconds. I should have moved faster, but that gas slowed me down. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Quite modest of that cap, don't you think? Right. <laughs> she's giving him a, she's giving him a couple and he's like, eh, I could have done better. Could have done better. Should've he done grabs better. her wrists and starts running. Hold on to that blaster you picked up and let's go. We've got things to do. I bet they do. I bet they do. Yes. No one gets my shield away from me. Seconds later, in an adjacent chamber, we see Captain America's shield, and it's underneath this like huge, like gigantic compressor type of thing coming from the ceiling and coming from the bottom and they're trying to squeeze it. You're going to say something? No, 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 no. I think you said it uh, as well as anyone. It is useless. Not even my titanium blade could pierce the shield. The hydraulic pressure drill is equally powerless against it. Enough. We must have sufficient wisdom to admit defeat. We are totally unable to damage the accursed shield of Captain America. Whatever it is composed of, the substance was never mined here on Earth. It is undoubtedly some sort of alien, extraterrestrial metal. Now, I, you know what I like about this panel, Bob? 
So this guy's got on like this, this futuristic doodad over his head. It's almost like a, you know, a microscope, if you will, you know, like mm-hmm. coming out over his eyes. Yeah. So he he's oblivious to what's going on. Well, what's going on behind him is Cap's coming up and he's coming behind one of the agents. He's knocking them out silently. So this guy's just rattling off to his <laughs> friend who's totally unconscious. We must report our findings to Modak at once. Sorry, masked man. There'll be a slight delay. And he takes the shield and he thwop and he knocks him out. And now, since you're also interested in my shield, I'll give you a little demonstration of how effective it can be. And he takes the shield and he breaks up their weapons in their hands. And then we've got, we've got uh, this agent of shield who we don't know her name yet, but she looks a lot like Sue Storm. She does. Remarkably similar. Yes. He's fighting like a raging unleashed tiger, but the odds are still too great against him. I'll create a diversion for him by firing at the electronic wall circuits just ahead. And sure enough, they start to blow up and there's red flames coming everywhere. The circuits have been ignited. Summon the emergency fire detail before the entire ship goes down in flame. Good work, lady. But where do we go from here? Quickly, follow me. AIM has the most advanced scientific apparatus of any criminal organization on Earth. They'll have to fire under control in minutes and be after us again. In fact, I hear their shock troops being red mustered now. We've got to take cover. Lead on, little girl. I like your style. (laughs) Oh, 1967. How I missed you. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) They'll be past us soon. Then I'll find their emergency escape hatch and have have you out of here before they you know it. They'll be past us soon. Then I'll find their emergency escape hatch and have you out of here before they know it. No, I can't leave until my mission is a com- a completed. There's something or s- there's someone or something named Modoc, which may be the greatest menace the world has ever known. It was my assignment to learn what Modoc is. And I must do it, even if it costs me my life. But if you hurry, there's still a chance for you to escape before the shock troops return. Are you mad? Do you think I could go and and leave you here alone? Now that I've finally found you again, do you think I'll ever let you out of my life? Spoiler alert. He does. Yeah. You mustn't speak that way. Not now. Not when. Wait. Listen. Something's happening up ahead. We've got to get closer. They're waiting to speak to Modoc. The fire is all but extinguished. That means it's time for us to face the judgment of Modoc. I don't. I still don't understand how it happened. He was to be our greatest weapon, our supreme creation. He was to enable us to conquer the entire world. And now, almost overnight. It is we who serve him. Quiet. If he should hear you, if he should think you're complaining, all of you, face the screen. It is time for Modoc to be heard. The screen is being activated. That means he's ready to speak. If only we knew what lies behind that screen. If only it were not death to try to see him, to learn what makes him tick. That's just like an aim scientist to think that way, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. How much longer can we live like slaves serving the one we created? If only AIM had never been reborn, eternal defeat was better than the yoke of Modoc. The yoke of Modoc. I like how that sounds. Yeah. Maybe that's uh, kind of a breakfast dish you get at the Marvel <laughs> Studios. The I like the yoke of Modoc, please. Avenger, Avengers Campus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> Um, how am I going to do Monarch's voice here? I don't know, but I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so have you, you watched the Modoc show? I have, I have. It sounds like Pat Oswalt, you know? What is Pat Oswalt? Uh huh. It is, it is. Pat Oswalt. I know yeah. that's what I made it, but it sounds just like Pat Oswalt. He doesn't like oh, yeah. many, make any pretensions to like an accent or anything. Yeah. Well, it's God Pat- knows. I mean, Hey, listen, that's smart on Patton's Patton's way because if you know you're going to be doing this particular voice over and over and over again you don't want to make it challenging you want to make it you know hey listen why do you think my voice for captain america sounds kind of close to my voice right yeah it's because i knew he was going to be the one i was going to do the most yeah yeah and the guy who does uh what mr incredible right what's his name coach i can't remember the actor's name off the top but it's his voice right so yeah Makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Coach. Yeah. God, whatever happened to him? He's on uh, Young Sheldon. Is he really? I, I don't yeah. watch the show. Oh, it's a fabulous show. Oh. All right. Hilarious. I haven't really thought this through. I was too busy trying to come up with a hello for you. Yeah, maybe something nasally. You think so? Yeah. Nasally? Yeah, he's a big head. Oh. <laughs> oh, here you go. Ready? Silence all. Heed the words of your master supreme. Is that it? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you laugh. The look on your face. I, I nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like that show. Nailed it. The baking show. You're oh, in. Two invaders are still at large upon this ship. They must be captured. They must be destroyed. Failure means mandatory death to all. That's why I dare not leave. That voice you heard was Modoc. Shield planted me here as a double agent to learn what Modoc is, to learn his weakness, if he has any. Even though I've been discovered, I can't quit now. There's too much at stake. There'll be, there'll be no more talk of quitting. We're both in this together now, till the end. I don't know if any ray blast can injure him, but I may never get another chance. And she takes her pistol and she's, she's about to shoot the screen, I guess. I don't know. Wait, I hear something behind us i'll act as decoy while you fire and he he and he's thinking to himself i'll throw up my arms catch his attention make him fire at me so that she'll be uh and he does he gets he gets shot in the back but sharon does not shoot at the screen of modok instead she turns and she fires at the agent i can't i can't fire at modok not while you're in danger Oh, Cap, I was too late. He hit you with a paralyzer ray. You sacrificed yourself for me. Can hardly speak, but must tell you. Escape while you can. Job is too big for one girl. Stan. (laughs) 
Stan, Stan, Stan. Fury will send others, male others, <laughs> people with Y chromosomes <laughs> who can handle this type of job. Forget about me. Get away. Get away. I can't. I can't leave you. I'll never see you without your mask. And you don't even know my name. And I realize how ridiculous this sounds. <laughs> Yet I feel as though some mysterious bond is linking us together forever. No, save yourself. You must. You must. It's too late. Your fate is my fate now. And I'm not afraid. It's the one who betrays us. Caesar. Whatever you do to me or Captain America doesn't matter. S.H.I.E.L.D. knows that AIM is reborn, and they know about MODOK. Fool, no one knows about MODOK. All they can have now. All they can have know. What? All they can have knowledge of. Oh, no, it's, a, it's that stupid hyphen. <laughs> it's a darn hyphen. It gets me every time. Right. I'm reading this as all they can have is no ledge of his name. <laughs> all right. All they can have knowledge of is his name. The name of Modoc, but none can suspect his power or his supreme plan. None can know the truth about Modoc. Enough talk. We must bring her to him. How did I do it again? Easily. Let all stand back, except the female enemy, Agent of Shield. I command you to approach me. You cannot resist. You must step forward. He's right. I feel as though my will is no longer my own. I must obey him. The floor panel below me, it's beginning to glow with some strange radiant light. I'm starting to sink, to descend into the floor itself. Modoc is doing it, but how? Why? Where is he taking me? And only a few yards away, the tortured ears of Captain America hears the girl's final scream as he lies motionless, helpless, unable to lift a finger. Have I failed her? Just as I failed Bucky those long years ago? Oh, God. You know, I really... You knew it was coming. Oh. That's but still then, raw, Rick. It's still raw. I, I suppose. It's 67, right? I mean, it's raw. Yeah, I suppose. But then... In the space of a single anguished heartbeat, there's a uh, right above him, uh, above Cap's paralyzed body, is a uh, aim agent with his futuristic futuristic laser pistol, looking down on top of him. It's a good angle. I like it. You have too often escaped us in the past. You will not escape us again. Thus, without any further ado, Captain America. You now shall die. Next, if this be Modoc, to be continued. All right. What do you think of this uh, so far? So far, so good, man. I love AIM. Yeah. AIM are some of my favorite villains. I don't know. There's something about the villainous scientists and their beehive 
uniforms. I don't know that really. Yeah, I was trying to explain it to Megan uh, yesterday, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, they're mad scientists." And I was like, "Stop myself!" No, they're not mad scientists. They're not yeah. crazy. No, they're evil scientists. Yeah, right. They're scientists. Maybe they're not even evil scientists. They're, they're just evil scientists with um, no Super committed, no scruples, <laughs> no right. Yeah. It's pursuit purely of knowledge and anything that allows them to get more knowledge. Although they, we would think it's unethical. Yeah. Well, so um, there's letter column. I got, you know what? There's a famous person's letter printed in this. Should we read it? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you it's an artist, a very, very famous Marvel artist who wrote this and he was quite young when he wrote it. Okay. Dear Stan, I can't say much about the Iron Man stories, which is to say that they have been good enough to merit only praise. I do admit to a special love for the Titanium Man and would appreciate a return, which he got in this issue, but only in another six to 12 months, as he hasn't been gone so long. And a precipitate return, as the Beast would say, would be inopportune. Gene, he's referring to Gene Colon, the artist, is in my considered opinion, one of Marvel's best. And if he were ever to stop producing Iron Man, I should come to New York and chastise everyone there myself. My adulation, however, does not blind me to a tendency of genes that I have become disturbed about recently. Ooh. Gene, my man, he's now addressing Gene directly. You're drawing a little too stylized. I realize that to reverse or even stop this tendency is almost impossible. But if I didn't think Marvel couldn't do the impossible, I wouldn't bother writing in the first place. Iron Man has a certain elegance that no other Marvel character can match. I can say no more. Signed, Walt Simonson. Wow, that was bold. Right? Yeah. I wonder, you know, because 10 years later, Walt Simonson is an artist at Marvel. I'm I'm assuming 10 years later. I think it was late 70s. Mm -hmm. Gene Colan was still around. Mm -hmm. Do you think uh, Walt, you know, and Gene had a little conversation? I don't know if they did. I bet Gene paid no heed whatsoever. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, who are you? Probably, probably needed to be reminded by Walt that uh, yes, Walt yes. was in there, but I bet they got a good laugh uh, over it. And yeah, uh, but that was pretty bold, you know. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So, all right, let's get to the next issue. All right, on the cover of '94, Bob, it is now um, the title has changed. Before it said Tales of Suspense featuring Iron Man and Captain America. Now it says Tales of Suspense featuring Captain America and Iron Man. And in in the corner box, we have a full body of Captain America and just the head of Iron Man. So they they go back and forth. And on the cover, of course, is a Captain America cover. And we have Cap punching out uh, an AIM agent. Um, And there's a couple more on the floor. Uh, you see the agent, the unnamed female agent in the back fighting. And we get, for the first time, a picture of Modoc. Mm-hmm. We sure do. I think it's a little 
Hmm. What's the word I'm looking for? Not disappointing. What's the word? Um, it's kind of like a, a, a letdown. Uh, a letdown. Well, <laughs> <laughs> being around the bush. Oh, okay. Whatever, you um, the out? It's a letdown. You know, when like uh, you have a, there's a big buildup uh-huh. and then there's like the crescendo and it's nothing. It's like a yeah. letdown. It's yeah. what, what is that called? There's a term for it. Yeah. Letdown. Oh, <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> so we have MODOK, but it's not like, here's a big picture of MODOK front and center. It's in the bottom corner underneath Cap's bent leg. Yeah, it's weird. And, and it's not even a a full, it's like part of his body is, I almost said part of his face, but his face is his body. So yeah. part of his body is, yeah. is uh, off panel. I wonder if it was done on purpose because he's such a, you know, unique looking character yeah. that almost like, I don't know. Why would you do that? I don't know. You know, it's a great, like if you took, Modoc off the cover. Let's just the thought experiment. I took Modoc off the cover. It's a great mm. cover. I mean, it's an action-packed mm. cover. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I like that. There's shooting going on. There's uh, you know, eight, the agents in the back with the karate mm. chop. You know, caps punching out the, the mm-hmm. aim agent. It's a great cover, and they're like, oh, how can we? How can we? You know, how can we fit Modoc on here? And they squeezed him in, you think? They like squeezed in a, like a three-quarter shot, which, you know, you're not missing anything because that three-quarter pretty much tells you what MODOK looks like. But you're right. It's like way in the background, like an afterthought that they added to uh, added to this. And I don't, I don't know what the rationale was, but it doesn't add anything to the cover. Mm-hmm. But it does, yeah, you're right. It does sort of detract a little bit, but, you know, not a lot, I guess. I don't know. It's a weird, mm-hmm. it's, and it's, a, it's, it's not exactly the most, like, I, you know, I don't want to be overly critical, but it's not like the most, like, like, whoa, that's MODOK. Right, exactly. It looks like he's on the can. That's why I'm saying it's a, it's a letdown. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, um, this is the very first time we're seeing, seeing the character. Yeah. And it's uh, just kind of like an afterthought almost. Like, if I saw this cover, I would never guess that's the first appearance of that character. Yeah. You know, like if, you, like, if you hadn't read the previous issue and, and weren't looking forward to like, Oh, what's this bad guy? This new bad guy, Modoc, you would just think like, this is some like lab rat in the background or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Some experiment, you know, that was going on. And when Cap and the agent burst into this lab. Right. So um, here's the thing. So, if you were to describe Modoc, for those out there who aren't familiar with Modoc, and I would imagine most people are because they're Captain America fans, they've they've seen Modoc. There's a show on Hulu, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, basically it's a giant head, right? It's a giant head, giant face. The face is kind of stretched a little bit to the sides. It's almost like a you know, a distorted face, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then and then there's a blockish kind of body and he's tiny little arms, tiny little legs. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it, he's in a, some sort of con, 
containment suit that allows him to to fly or hover around because you know his his legs certainly couldn't support the body um here's something interesting though this isn't like the first time a comic book villain was like this you don't say yeah so in dc universe there's a villain his name is hector hammond really yeah he's a green he's a green lantern villain Uh um in fact he he appeared in 1961 that was his first appearance um gil kane who is a pretty famous comic book artist uh was one of the uh the creators on him and um so he's been a, a a major green lantern villain uh over the years um but yeah, he's got a giant head, but he's different. He just looks like a normal person with a humongous head. You know, he looks like a bobblehead doll, basically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he's refined to a chair and his, his, his power is all mental because, you know, he's got a big brain. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that's interesting. Anyway. So it says on the cover, if this be dot, 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 Modoc. Uh, Bob, I have not watched a Modoc TV mm-hmm. show, but I yeah. did a little research before doing this. And um, the title to the very first episode of Modoc is called If This Be Modoc. So, really, I don't recall that. Um, I didn't get too far into uh, the series mm-hmm. uh, as I, I, I found that a little bit went a long way for me. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I mean, I enjoy. Mm-hmm uh pat oswalt and uh and i know he was a co-writer and and in fact marvel came out with uh, a mini series written by uh him and the other showrunner for the hulu series mm-hmm. and so um i know they came, and, th- and those were amusing i got those and i thought they were they were kind of amusing it was mm-hmm. a little mini mini series but it was a little too comedic for me and i always thought modok should be a bit more uh, terrifying mm-hmm than comedic so uh yeah i i mean if you were in real life yeah and you saw a life-size modok would you be terrified or would you laugh um i think i would be terrified because <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of a scary dude or he's not even a friendly looking dude no, right. he, 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 yeah, he's not you like know? he's smiling. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's always got a He's not Humpty Dumpty. You know, you see Humpty, Humpty Dumpty sitting on the wall with his little legs and arms and his, you know, his big head with the crack in it, you know? Yay, friendly. But Modoc does not come off as friendly. No, no, he does not. So, no. Yeah. All right, Captain America, Living Legend of World War II. If this be Modoc, the evil organization known as AIM now lives again. Only Captain America can rescue the lovely agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who has been captured while trying to learn AIM's greatest secret, the identity of MODOK. But Cap himself is now a prisoner of AIM Reborn. And so remember when we left where uh, the agent was standing over top Mm -hmm. of a paralyzed Cap? Well, now flipping the angle we see it from the aim agent's point of view looking down at cap uh, which is the opposite of how the episode or the issue ended last 
without for without any further ado captain america you shall now die and he's got a uh you know that futuristic kirby-esque type of pistol in his hand and cap can't do anything and it says from the titanic typewriter and peerless pencils of stan the man lee and jack king kirby embellished by joe sinnott lettered by sam rosen is this the end of captain america somehow we doubt it let's turn the page and see if we need a replacement Dun, dun, dun. And just then, another AIM agent comes behind and yells, Stop! Have you forgotten Modoc? His order is that only he may give the command to dispose of a prisoner. Modoc, Modoc, how much longer must we serve the one whom we created ourselves? Watch your tongue. Modoc's ears are everywhere. No, if we are ever to rebel, it must be now. Now, while Modoc is busy interrogating the female agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. We all fear Modoc, for we know his awesome power. Therefore, we do not dare attack him ourselves. But what if there is one who will battle Modoc for us? One who might defeat him and free us from his domination? Impossible. None would be foolhardy enough to oppose Modoc. Captain America would do it in order to save the girl. And whether he succeeds or not is unimportant. What does matter is. While Modoc battles the Avenger, we will be free to follow our own plan. Excellent. We'll do it. Quiet now. Why contact him? We have taken Captain America prisoner. Do you wish to study him before he is disposed of? I so desire. Bring him to me. It worked. Once they meet, there must be a battle. And Cap's laying there paralyzed and is currently his eyes are paralyzed too because they're just bugging out <laughs> even if it means playing into aim's hands i've got to rescue the girl from modok i dare not fail i'm sinking downward they're dispersing the molecules of the floor as they did with her now i find that interesting bob how did he reference sharon uh her her and that was the same way he referenced peggy in that tales of suspense issue he kept referencing her it was (laughs) her right yeah well we in all fairness we don't know her name yeah but okay you can't see it on because i'm describing this but Mm -hmm. In Cap's thought bubble. Yeah. It says, as they did with dot, dot, dot. Right. Bold her. Yeah. So it's like really emphasizing that. Uh, And that's the same way they emphasized Peggy, the other woman he fell in love with who didn't know his name and never saw his face. Yeah. And he didn't know her name. True. Good catch. Only the inventive genius of an outfit like AIM could have created such a method of bringing, bridging space. If only that same genius wasn't dedicated to evil. And he's um, kind of popping into this next room again with that Kirby crackle all around him. The paralysis ray that held me motionless is gone. 
I can move again. I can fight the same as ever. This time, if I don't come out on top, I'll have only myself to blame. Whoever or whatever Modoc is, he must have a weak spot. And if he does, I'll find it. But then, before the Master Avenger can make another move, Stop where you are. None can resist the power of my brain beam. And coming off panel is this yellow beam that strikes Cap right in the chest. And he falls over. And then we see him, Bob. There it is. He's a handsome sucker. That is, that's the Modoc we know and love. Yeah. So, yeah, again, his face is kind of stretched and droopy, right? He's got white eye slits. Um, and then basically, he's got this brown hair uh, and, and flesh-colored face. But then from his chin down, it's all wrapped up in this machine, including his arms, uh, and then he's got this band across his forehead and on his forehead is this um, um, kind of oval shaped, sideways oval shaped um, ray uh, that looks like it's pulsating with this yellow glow. I am Modoc. Once I was a mere human guinea pig for, this, for the scientists of AIM, but they did their job too well. And now, I am their master. Cap, be careful. His brain is his weapon. He can use it to control, to fight, and if he desires to destroy. He's even more dangerous than S.H.I.E.L.D. suspected. There's almost no limit to the power of his strange, uncontrollable brain. I sense that I can never control either one of you, for you are both too dedicated too willing for what you believe in. Therefore, I have no further use of you. He's planning to strike. Stay back. He'll have to get me first. Noble words, Captain America, in the most heroic tradition. But despite your famous athletic ability, you are no match for MODOK. My magnetic-powered mobile chair is far more agile than any legs could hope to be. And he does. He spins around really quickly. You sure talk a great big fight, Modoc. I am aware that you seek to goad me into action, hoping to find a weak chink in my mental armor. But you'll find instead that I do more than talk a great fight. My invincible mind beam is the greatest single weapon ever unleashed. And he fires at him. See how easily it can be anchored to your shield lifting you helplessly into the air. Couldn't dodge. His beam is too fast. But there are many types of mind beams. For example, this is an infallible stun shock beam. And he fires, and, and again, this Kirby power crackle is around him, which can be instantly followed by a simple blast capable of shattering a steel floor and then hurling the piece at any target I so desire. So far, your shield has protected you, but let us see what happens next. A heat beam, making the floor red hot beneath my feet, but I can't give in. I've got to keep dodging. 
keep fighting. Sooner or later, he'll make a slip. And when he does, so we cut to next page. We have these AIM agents in their yellow beehive costumes. While in another chamber of the hidden submarine, as it, it is working exactly as planned, Captain America is putting up a masterful defense, occupying all of Modoc's attention. Therefore, the moment has come for us to attack. Squad A, into the escape sub, sub on the double. Be prepared to make your break if Squad B doesn't contact you within 10 minutes. Squad B, attack Modoc. You must return within 10 minutes, else it will be too late for you to return at all. That's a pretty cool looking uh, little sub they got going on there. Gotta yeah, tell you, Kirby's a master of drawing equipment, isn't he? He did. You know, it's um, it would be cool to to get a uh, sort of a collection of all his sort of vehicles and weapons, and I believe no one has ever done that, right? I mean, uh, they do have, if I'm not mistaken, who is the uh, sort of engineer, sort of architect guy? Is his name Brown? I can't remember. Anyway, you know, he's done the various sort of cutaways of, of Cap's headquarters or the Van Tiff, Baxter building or Avengers mansion or, you know, Cap's van, all those sorts of things, right? Uh, and they do have a collection of those that are available, but there's never been, I don't think, a collection of, of Kirby's. I think that's a brilliant idea. Marvel, are you listening? Get, get on it, Tom. I think Tom Brevoort needs to, to sign off on that. I think there's a bunch of us old guys that would t- love to take a look at, you know, Kirby machine stuff. Yeah. Weapons, mm-hmm. um, vehicles. Yep. Yeah. Evil layers. Evil layers. Yeah, that's fun stuff. How about creatures? Yeah. creatures? Some of the creatures he's done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that could be a whole great little, you know, little series. Hurry. Every second counts. Don't worry, we'll make it. It's lucky for us that Captain America is keeping MODOK busy. Otherwise, his wall destructors would have hit us by now. We made it. MODOK is just on the other side of this door. And there is Captain America, generously fighting our battle for us. It's a shame we can't give him the reward he deserves. But I suspect he'll get it before too long. Meanwhile, the only thought in Captain America's mind is smash MODOK. Nothing stops him. Perhaps if I try my shield fast enough. That's a nice little panel of Cap throwing his shield, right? Yeah, it's got the follow through on his right arm, you Uh know, which is neat. And uh, And then his his left arm is straight up in the air Mm -hmm. because he's, you know, he's totally, um, yeah, it's really, really good. Nice. Have you not yet learned? Nothing moves faster than the speed of thought. He stopped it with one single mind blast. Only one thing left to do. I'll tackle him empty-handed. Cap, wait, look out behind you. A sudden fusillade of shells over my head. If you hadn't stopped me in time by tackling me the way you did. But look, the shots were really intended for Modoc. It was my battle with him that gave them the chance they needed. 
They caught him by surprise, and their attack worked. He's done for. And sure enough, you see Modoc getting blown up. Keep firing. Make sure he's finished. Enough. Don't waste any more time on Modoc. Let's get Captain America out of the picture while we can. And all these agents come in firing their weapons. I've got news for you, clowns. You can't. Stay behind me, lady. This time I know what I'm fighting. So it's going to be my inning now. So Cap's running towards them, picking up his shield off the ground. And he takes it and he strikes. Again, nice um, action pose, right? It's Mm -hmm. him swinging his shield and knocking them all back. And then uh, coming up and thub-bunk hitting them. And then right behind Cap is a uh, aim agent. And instead of taking his pistol and shooting Cap, he decides to make it a weapon to hit him in the back of the head. (laughs) Cap, look out. Too late. He can't save himself now. Maybe he can't, but I can. Karate chop. (laughs) And she knocks, knocks him out. Good going, girl. But our job isn't over yet. If they've revolted, if they've revolted against Modoc, the others must be getting making a getaway, and we're going to stop them. But at that very moment, the ten minutes are up. They haven't returned. We can afford to wait no longer. Everything is in readiness for instant departure. Then close the hatch, start your engine, and take off. If Modoc hasn't stopped us so far, it means he's been put out of action. So we still have a chance. The hatch, it won't close. Wait, what's that? And and there's Cap's shield right in the middle of two doors closing. The shield of Captain America. He's free again, and he's found us. While in another part of the sub, a dying figure summons his last remaining vestige of power. And there's Modoc lying there. He doesn't look good. Mm-mm. Modak must not die like any helpless being for once I possess the power to change the world therefore I must perish in a manner befitting the master supreme men must talk of my last few seconds for as long as legends endure and so they shall and he fires his mind beam up straight into this um, device of some sort that's in the ceiling. I've reached the emergency detonator. Now, if I can increase the pressure. And as Modoc's uncanny mental pressure begins to mount, a small speedy escapes up, streaking from the mother ship, seeking the safety of the deep. An escape sub now commanded by two reunited fighters with freedom. Don't move. I assure you, I can use this weapon as well as any man. If you're one of Fury's agents, we believe you. Follow my directions. I'm delivering you to S.H.I.E.L.D. You've saved my life, yet I've never even told you my name. Nor have I ever seen your face beneath that mask. How strange. It took Modus to bring us together again. And now... We don't even know if he's alive or dead. Listen, that explosion from afar. 
I think you can forget about Modoc now. Your question has just been answered. And you see an explosion on the surface of the water on the horizon as the submarine's periscope is going through the water. Next up, the death of a legend. Mm-hmm. All right. And that is the end of that two-part story. But not the end of Modoc. Oh, Bob, gave it away. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry. I was supposed to say spoiler alert first. Dang, I always mix that up. You really do. <sighs> Modoc shall kill you now. <laughs> you have been a great disappointment. Mm. <laughs> Well, that was fun. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tales of suspense story, and you know, I know we got a lot of folks in the group, including me, including um, probably you. There's a lot of sentiment, sentiment sentimental uh, value on put on the tales of suspense, right? A lot of nostalgia, and mm-hmm. I mean, they were written for a different time, right? Different yeah. age group, and we got to like make those allowances that you know, they were written for really written for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, many of us, you know, not me, but you know, a lot of our uh, folks, listeners, folks in the group, were kids in that era, and that's what mm-hmm. they read. And so, yeah, uh, you got to look at it through that lens. Uh, and in that way, it's a it's a cool story. It is. You know, we got to give uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby a lot of credit because um, you know, and and they were pumping out a lot of stories at that time too. Yeah. Right. And so the creativity that they were um, uh, putting on paper at this time was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lots of hits, few misses, but Hey, you know, they did better than a, you know, a 300 batting average in baseball, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, that's a good point. So. All right, Bob. So what are we doing next? We're going to come, we're going to go uh, into the future a little bit. We're going to go to 1980. What? I know. Oh my gosh. What do What do you think we should go revisit Captain America 251 and 252? Interesting. Which was written by Roger Stern and drawn by John Byrne. You want to do that? Choice. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we haven't been back to 1980 in a long time. So, in fact, we haven't done a Stern Byrne story since episode seven. When we did the first oh, yeah. three issues of the Stern Burn Run, which was mm-hmm. 247 through 249. So if you want to go back to episode seven, you can certainly do that. But yeah, let's do that. Let's go, let's go to 1980 and do Captain America 251, 252. Do you know who was in who were the villains in those two issues? Is it Dr. Jekyll? Well, Mr. Hyde, yes. Ah, yes, yes. And our good friend. Leap. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah. We'll do, we'll come back for that for episode 58 and do that next yeah. next week. Yes. You know, I will admit, I, I'm looking forward to this um because my I was I was not a big Batrock fan, but uh Leap. the stories that we've done along the way have really increased my appreciation for Batroc. Mm-hmm. That's because uh, you don't think he's he's a villain. 
Well, that's probably has something to do with it. You think he's a bad guy? Yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah. I think that that's probably has something to do with it. Yeah. Now ask Rick Jones. Yeah. What's what's that? Ask Rick Jones what he thinks about Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You can't. He's dead. <laughs> well played. Oh. Yes, because yes, Batrock was, oh, I don't know, somebody who worked for the fascist Steve Rogers, Hydra Steve. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he's just a bad guy. He's not a villain. He's just a bad guy. All right, well. He's misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we got to go. We got to right. call this an episode. All right, listen, uh, as always, Bob, it's been fun wrapping the cap with you. It has, it has, it has. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbonis. And you've been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast.